Yesterday was a memorial day like no other. Despite the pandemic, ceremonies to honor the fallen went on, much more virtually than the past. The day also marked an unofficial start to summer, and many flocked to outdoor spaces to enjoy the weather. Along the San Diego County coast, residents appeared to be following the rules. The region is not yet accustomed to this new phase of reopening, and the possibility of another jump in cases and deaths still loom. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Today we have a slate of guests. Tarsi Connors, you're the topics editor for North County, and you've been editing most of the COVID-19 coverage. And Sam Hodgson, you're the lead photojournalist for the Union Tribune. Let's start with what you guys saw and heard over the weekend. Months into this, are San Diegans doing what they're supposed to? I think that depends where you are. <laughs> um, from a, a number of different vantage points, um, I understand that the um, from reporters on the ground, that the uh, beaches in Carlsbad um, were quite busy, um, few wearing masks and um, a few observing social distancing. In neighboring Oceanside, um, uh, most people were not wearing masks and um, there were a few sunbathers, um, though not as many people on the beach. So I think it really uh, depends um, where you were. Um, I will defer to Sam who was out and about yesterday yeah, I was around in, in San Diego mostly, and and I actually got a chance to speak to uh, Police Chief Dave Nisla earlier in the day, um, and he said, you know, for the most part, folks are following the rules, uh, and the few who aren't, we're enforcing that. I think that's, for the most part, true. If you looked at San Diego's beaches this weekend, um, there were definitely the, the odd person who might lie down on the beach or stake their place in the sand. But uh, for the most part, there was a San Diego police officer who came by and shuffled them along pretty quickly. I saw uh, a group of families down by San Diego Bay, looked like maybe five or six families who had all gotten together for what seemed to be like a a kid's birthday party. And uh, again, within a a few minutes of getting there, SDPD did come and shuttle them along. Of course, I did then sort of overhear them talking about, well, where are they gonna move to then? So it didn't really solve the issue of the five families all coming and congregating. It just solved the issue of them being uh, on the Bayfront. It also it also makes you wonder as well, because I don't think, I don't think people are deliberately um, violating the county health orders. I, I still think there's a tremendous amount of confusion about what they can and cannot do when someone says it's okay, you can now go to the beach. They think, okay, I can go back and be the way that that I was. They don't understand. No, you have to wear a mask. You have to maintain um, social distancing. You cannot gather in crowds. So, you know, I don't. I don't think it's a, it's um, intentional um, with uh, when there there are violations. Certainly. I mean, there have been so many different changes, both locally, from the governor, that it's been confusing to follow that even, you know, us, it's our job to follow everything. It's been a lot. Yeah, definitely. Actually, when I was talking to the uh, chief of police, I said, oh, I was at a Liberty Station the other day and, you know, I saw people sitting on the ground. That didn't bother me, even though it's against the rules. And he said, no, no, that's you can do that. That's within the guidelines. Um, so so it can be hard to follow. Uh but, but it is important that people stay on top of it and understand what phase we are in and, and what we can and can't be doing because those guidelines are, of course, there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, yesterday was Memorial Day, and it's certainly odd to see kind of the usual rituals we go through, you know, during a pandemic. Sam, why don't you describe what you saw aboard the Midway and how it contrasted with similar ceremonies in the past? 
Yeah, it was interesting. I've seen similar ceremonies like this both in San Diego and on the East Coast on onboard aircraft carriers on Memorial Day. Uh, typically on the USS Midway, they have you know 600 invited guests. They throw five different wreaths off the edge of the boat for each different branch of the military. Uh, when I got on the Midway yesterday, there was maybe 15, 20 people there, which included a production team that was uh, hosting the event virtually uh, simultaneously with three other events across San Diego at Fort Rosecrans, at Miramar National Cemetery, and at Mount Soledad. Um, and the police chief was there, uh, Navy Rear Admiral, excuse me, Navy Rear Admiral uh, Boulevard was there. Uh, and for the most part, people were observing uh, social distancing on the deck. The Navy Rear Admiral was the only one who took the wreaths at the edge and threw it across. But of course, you know, the interesting thing is then you see the, the public officials who are still on the deck, um, they're still out there giving fist bumps and elbow bumps and things like that. And, uh, you know, mostly observing social distancing. But again, even, even they're not exactly flawless in executing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... If scientists had a magic wand, we'd all just be in a bubble for two weeks, but it's not how humanity works. And even these kind of small things that kind of meet halfway, you know, can only do so much to stop the threat of the virus. And that's kind of what we're up to. It's like we can't totally shut everything down. So this is kind of what governments have decided is the reasonable middle ground. Yes. And I think it's important to note as well that they... They continue um, uh, in, in several communities to say that rather than enforcement, um, they are stressing education. And I think a large measure of that is due to they do not want to. People are frustrated. Um, they've been pent up. Um, uh, a lot of folks are, are hurting financially. So the last thing you want to do is provoke people. Um, who um, are already um, at a high stress level. So I think that they're cutting people slack um, by not um, you know, going around and issuing hundreds of citations on the, you know, that they've been very judicious in the citations that they've issued. Um, and, and I think that's sort of probably sort of a smart thing to tamp down um, you know, any, any negative reaction or uh, protest that could get you know, out, of, out of control or um, you know, send a lot of misinformation into, into the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the biggest action that we saw kind of related to this was the closure of El Prez uh, several days ago, which uh, there was some several Instagram stories of people just acting kind of normal in a bar. And that's why the county stepped in. But it does seem like the timing of that was rather smart, if you think about it, because it was right after the reopening started. So this was kind of a sign of, hey, this isn't okay. If you do this, we are going to enforce. Yes, and there was a, a much larger police presence throughout the county over the weekend. I think that sent a pretty clear warning shot. And I, one of the things that I've been monitoring when I'm out there, I mean, I peek my head as I'm driving into just about every single restaurant that I see, restaurant or bar, wondering what it looks like. And again, for the most part, those look fine. And I'm, I'm out there looking. If there was a big packed bar where people were close together, that would obviously be as a photojournalist. That's a picture that I'm going to take. I haven't seen that picture out there and most of the bars, I think part of that might have been uh, due to that quick enforcement action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Sam, uh, you know, kind of documenting this from a visual lens, how has your kind of mentality changed during this pandemic? Because, you know, this story is unlike anything you've covered previously. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we have to be really careful out there. Of course, uh, as a photojournalist, you're 
uh, your inclination is to get close to people. That's that's mostly what we do. Uh, and so we've had to take a little bit of a step back and try to figure out how to how to understand people and how to show sort of the ongoing human condition without being right on top of people. Um, the last couple of weeks have been very odd watching the world go back to what the new normal is. It's definitely a very unique time in history. Uh, I mean, I was out photographing the restaurants reopening and went down to Saffron uh, in Mission Hills. It was, was very grateful to see all the precautions they were taking. At the same time, it is a total trip to see people who look like ICU nurses with these face shields uh, delivering your pad thai. Uh, and it is, it is, the interesting part was that it was equally surreal to see that as it was to see people behaving normally. So I went up to Blue Bohème, uh, just near my house, a French restaurant, and a couple came in and sat down at the bar and they were just cuddling up next to each other and they had plenty of space. They took their masks off at the bar, got a cocktail. Um, but just to see them behaving normally felt felt strange and it felt like a sci-fi movie almost. And And they were just doing what we all used to do a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly weird. Just look back at the calendar and like see all those things that I was planning on doing that, you know, all of us have made sacrifices during this time. And it was, you know, kind of shocking how everything changed so fast. It's certainly one for, you know, history. People forget that we had an election just two months ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's by my count been, you know, about 11 weeks since this stay at home order in what ways do you think that San Diego has changed during this time? Do you think we're going to have the same kind of spirit afterwards? I think in some ways, uh, San Diego is an incredible place to, to ride out all of this. Um, I have friends in other parts of the country who are reaching out basically saying, wow, I sort of wish that I could be in San Diego. Some of them are even contemplating coming to San Diego um, because we do have the, the great outdoors with the opportunity to be out at our parks and beaches. Um, you know, we have our, our sprawl, which has uh, often been considered something that uh, is not a positive thing for us, but uh, that distance from each other has been, has been helpful for us. Uh, the, we are often criticized for our lack of uh, great public transit. Um, that's probably turned out to be a good thing for us. I think in some ways, some of San Diego's weaknesses have turned out to be San Diego's strengths. So I think that that our strengths, which are our, our you know beautiful weather, our great outdoors, things like that, are are going to be. Uh, I think those are things that we're going to hold on to very dear, and and hopefully will be helpful to us in terms of keeping people here healthy and safe. Yeah, I think one of the things that I am trying to imagine is the what's going to happen as all the businesses try to reopen. Um, that's retail as well as restaurants. Um, they have, I, I can't imagine the, the, um, the damage um, that has been done and it's, um, you know, the, the, the economic impact wave, I think is gonna be um, uh, very widely felt. So I, it, I, I, I can't imagine six months from now what San Diego is gonna look like because I don't know what how San Diego is going to rebound business-wise um, to get back to where it was. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like, I, I'm sure that the beach will be fine and I'm sure the big park at Liberty Station will be fine and that we'll still be out running and kayaking and all that. But that, it's a great point is what I don't know is 
what's going to happen to 30th Street, what's going to happen to Adams Avenue, what's going to happen to, to all those uh, great restaurants and retail that have developed over the years that have made our neighborhoods what they are. Yeah, you walk down any downtown and, it, and it's it's small business, it's mom and pop, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's family run. So, I mean, those, those are the people who, who not only have to try to rebuild their businesses, they have to try to rebuild their lives. I mean, it's not just that they haven't been suffering at home. So it's, you know, it's, it's dual fronts for them that they have to try to steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really interesting because it seems like we took those third places for granted, be it the coffee shop, your favorite bar, your favorite brewery or restaurant. And without having those places where you run into people, you know, you not really know, but then you make up a new friend or something, that kind of spice of life has been missing for almost 12 weeks. And I think there's a collective mourning because of that. Yeah. And when you talk about what the spirit of San Diego is, it's it really is the people, right? And also, with yesterday being Memorial Day, obviously a day where we honor the fallen, how is it covering that story, contrasting with the fact that, you know, we're about to hit 100,000 Americans dying from this pandemic? I imagine that was, you know, on your mind yesterday as you were reporting and editing these stories. Yeah, um, it was. And I um, I actually went um, to an event um, in Oceanside, um, where they had a caravan, um, and it was uh, two caravans actually. One um, where um, veterans um, and active duty um, could drive up and um, get food um, because a lot of them um, have been suffering. The other caravan um, were veterans and volunteers who um, loaded up their trucks and drove the food out to the homes of veterans um, who were too ill or too much at risk um, to um, go down and pick up the food. So it was just that that added vulnerability um, of you know the, the aging veterans um, that really struck me. But I was also struck with the number of families um, who drove through the food line. Um, uh, you know, parents with um, one kid, two kids, three kids, and. It was just really an, uh, a really poignant moment for me to, and a reminder that there um, a lot of sacrifice out there um, in in a lot of different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what stood out to me too, Tarsi, is that uh, that everyone on Memorial Day talks about these veterans who have made the ultimate sacrifice, and I couldn't help but think about how everyone in this country right now, really everyone in the world, is being asked to make sacrifices and they feel like very great sacrifices. And for a lot of people, there's been a lot of pain along the way, but some of the sacrifices that we're being asked to make, like wearing a mask or or sheltering in place for a period of time are so minimal compared to, to losing our lives or losing our lives on the battlefield. Um, so the word sacrifice was definitely in my head all day. Mm-hmm. And I think another factor that's that's um, been in play here for um, for a lot of people is We've been isolated um, in our homes and we don't go out much and we don't have a lot of contact with people. So if you don't have someone 
close to you who has um, suffered um, from being infected with the coronavirus and you don't understand the suffering that goes with that, it's, it's, it's really hard to wrap your head around. All, all you can really think of is why am I isolated in my home? Why can't I go out to eat? Why can't I go visit with my friends? Well, you know, why can't I go out and, you know, play a game of soccer? It's, it's hard to wrap your head around when it's not personal. And, and, I, and I actually think that people have actually done quite a remarkable job um, because of that, um, in observing, uh, staying home, doing what they were asked to do for the most part, uh, you know, with exceptions, um, because we've asked them to buy in, right, to a reality that they can see in pictures that we take. And certainly the pictures are really compelling um, and show the suffering and show the sacrifices being made by healthcare workers. But it's still distant. It's still removed from our everyday lives. So I suspect as we get back into normal life, so-called normal life, as the virus increases, because it will, um, it's inevitable that that's going to do that. We're just trying to minimize how quickly it does that through the community. I think there might be um, uh, more of a, a recognition about why we've made the sacrifices that we've made and why we have to continue to make them. Mm -hmm, certainly. And as these numbers increase, eventually there will be a point in which every American knows someone who is infected or has died because of the virus. Um, several weeks ago, I learned that someone I graduated high school with died from the virus. And it was just shocking to like think that someone, you know, who's 28 years old could pass away because of this. But it's entirely possible. And it really kind of stuck in my head the past couple of weeks of just it can happen to everybody. Yeah, sorry about that. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Yeah. And I guess as we move forward into this uh, stage two of reopening, uh, Tarsi, what stories and what kind of uh, things do you hope that our reporters kind of explain as we enter this next phase? I, I one of the, Some of the things that we're working on is um, a story on contact tracers. Um, those are all the folks um, who try to track down how many people um, someone who became infected um, came in contact with. That's really important um, because that's the way that we will be able to trace the virus within the community. So that's really critical. It's also going to be critical um, for us to ramp up our testing. That's another way we get to see um, how prevalent um, the virus is in the community. And um, just how, how businesses will attempt to reopen how people start to rebuild their lives. What, it, what is that going to look like? And then, you know, looking, looking towards the future, we have, we have to educate our kids. How, is, how, is, how are we going to educate our kids in the fall? What is, what is that going to look like? So there's just so many moving parts that are, that are, um, that are there. And I think it's going to be a while um, before anything starts to sort of steady itself. And I think we just sort of have to just sort of take it a day at a time and um, watch what happens. I mean, it's, it's the virus is not going away anytime soon. Um, we have to build what's known as the herd immunity. And that means we a lot of us have to get it. Um, we have to develop a vaccine um, and we have to try to learn um, some lessons um, from all of the experiences that we've had the last three months. Mm -hmm. And Sam, what stories do you help, hope to, you know, show us in the next coming weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, very similarly, we want to keep 
seeing how the world reopens and what that looks like. Um, there's a lot of folks who are maybe reluctant to go out and, and be part of the world reopening. And I think it's our job to show them, show those folks whether, whether it does or doesn't look safe and they can sort of determine that for themselves, whether it's a, a world that they want to enter and be a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. It's like we kind of have both ends of the spectrum. We can show people with amazing photography and, you know, good, clear, concise writing to show what San Diego truly is like right now. Right. And, I think, and, and to Sam's point, which I think is a really important one, it, it, it is it is our responsibility, the newspaper's responsibility, to help people understand as we move forward, um, to get them to know what the latest rules are, you know, the, um, the, the treatments, um, you know, how, how their communities are changing. I mean, I, and, I, and I think that, that that is the most important thing that we can do. Mm -hmm. All right. Sam Hodgson, Tarsi Carners. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks, Dana. Now, your coronavirus update. San Diego County officials gave hair salons and barber shops the green light to reopen on Tuesday. They also allowed religious services and one-on-one -on -one sports instruction to resume. The announcement follows California Governor Gavin Newsom's decision to further loosen the state's stay-at-home order Tuesday, ushering the state into Stage 3. County officials also announced 85 new COVID-19 cases, which accounts for about 2% of the 3,908 tests conducted yesterday. There have been no new deaths over the last three days. The reopening does not apply to nail salons, and some salon services are banned, including eyelash services, eyebrow waxing, threading, facials, and shaves. While churches can resume services, several restrictions remain in place. Services are limited to 25% capacity or 100 people, whichever total is smaller. Churches are also being encouraged to limit activities that may fuel the spread of COVID-19, like singing and practices that include shared items like communion. Although one-on-one -on -one sports instruction can resume, group youth sports cannot. Hair salons and barber shops can reopen as soon as they've implemented and posted one of the county's safe reopening plans. The rest of the regulations go into effect at midnight. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. Today is Tuesday, so that means a new episode of Name Drop San Diego. Join the UT's Abby Hamblin and Christy Totten as they interview UCSD professor Anthony Davis. Davis recently won a Pulitzer Prize for his opera, the Central Park Five. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.